Good. So we now speak about Saint Joseph in this year of Saint Joseph, Josephine year, and uh, <clears throat> we try to look at the Saint Joseph from a Marian perspective to see Saint Joseph as the model of Marian consecration. The question we try to answer is this, can Saint Joseph be the very first model of consecration to Our Lady? Was he then consecrated to his spouse? In this sense, we have to look at uh, uh, his marriage as something real, something uh, true marriage, and also to look at his union with Our Lady as uh, something even deeper than a spousal union, but uh, something prefiguring the Marian consecration. Why? So let's try to answer these few questions. <clears throat> and we wish to meditate on Saint Joseph in this year and also in this month uh, of March consecrated to him and this also in view of the uh, solemnity of Saint Joseph the 19th of March. So uh, let's look at Saint Joseph from the Gospel perspective. The very first thing that uh, we find out when we read these few passages on Saint Joseph is that uh, uh, everything in, the, in Saint Joseph's lies, life starts uh, by being united with Our Lady. Saint Joseph himself himself comes into play in the New Testament by being, first of all, the husband of Mary. And this is something that we find in the Gospel of Saint Matthew, 1.16. And then, because of this uh, spousal relationship, Saint Joseph also uh, come uh, to, to, to know Jesus and to become his foster father. He is completely introduced by Our Lady, by this union with Our Lady, into the mystery of Christ. <clears throat> so we can easily say already, and then we explain it more, that uh, all in St. Joseph's life comes through Mary. And uh, he might easily be then the model of to Jesus through Mary. This, uh, uh, the Montfort's uh, motto, Ad Jesum per Mariam, it is easily recognizable, first of all, in St. Joseph's life. All through Mary, to Jesus, through Mary, with Saint Joseph, as he did uh, at the beginning. So let's try to see this more in depth. Uh, let us look at, um, at the Gospel of Saint Matthew to, first of all, see that Saint Joseph of Nazareth 
is the husband of Mary and then he is a just man. Uh, first of all, we have to know that this spousal relationship with Our Lady, which was meant to be chaste and virginal since the outset, is a real marriage. Uh, we know that uh, the marriage in the Jewish mentality, in the Jewish culture, was understood as two being made by two moments. One was the betrothal and then the official engagement, which was already a legal marriage, and this moment could last up until one year. And then the second moment of this marriage, which was the cohabitation of the two, husband and wife, already uh, married legally, but not living together yet. Uh, this, the marriage of Our Lady with St. Joseph is unique, is singular, because it was meant to be virginal, and this is the, the data that we get from, from the Gospels. For, for example, when St. Luke describes Our Lady as the spouse of Joseph, she was espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. So Mary is espoused to this man, Joseph, but she is the virgin. And uh, she is the virgin who is also the mother of the Messiah. But uh, the emphasis is always on the Virgin Mary. The name of the Virgin was Mary. This also to uh, explain, to, to, to see the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy about the Virgin Mother. A virgin who shall conceive and bear a son without losing her virginity. And this, this uh, is also the same. The, we see also this uh, virginity of Mary united to her maternity when we see the, her relationship with Saint Joseph. She does not renounce to her virginity though she is married with Saint Joseph. So the marriage was meant to be virginal, chaste, since the, the outset. But was then, if the marriage was chaste and virginal, was it a real marriage? Or rather was it something uh, just uh, spiritual then, not a proper one, not a proper marriage? This was, for example, the issue raised by, uh, at the time of St. Augustine, by one of the followers of Pelagius, who was the main, uh, the main antagonist of St. Augustine. Uh, and this, this uh, follower of, uh, Saint, of Pelagius was a, a bishop in Italy, in the south of Italy, near Avellino, Eclano. This was Julian, bishop of Eclano. Basically, Briefly, uh, Pelagius denied the necessity of grace to be saved, and uh, at the uh, very uh, root of this error there was the denial of 
original sin. This uh, disciple of Pelagius, this bishop, who was a Catholic bishop, uh, Julian, <coughs> said that uh, denying basically the mystery of grace, everything was seen from a natural perspective. So the marriage between St. Joseph and Our Lady wasn't a real marriage because he wasn't meant to be consumed, consummated and uh, live out properly as a normal marriage. So, since that marriage was virginal, according to Julian, a Pelagian bishop, the marriage was not a real one. So, Julian put into question the reality of this marriage. St. Augustine replied to Julian, saying, no, you are completely wrong, because the very essence of marriage lies not in the unity of the bodies, but in the unity of the souls. It is the will that makes that contract valid. It is the exchange of the will. Uh, when there is the agreement, the freedom to take another person into one's life, that makes the marriage effective. So it is the union of two souls, the union of two wills, that makes the marriage valid. So this was St. Augustine's response to Julian, and defending the, the, the reality, the, the truth of this marriage. It is a real marriage, though uh, understood in a superior way in a superior, uh, according to a superior uh, manner of living this, this marriage. So, this said, the, since the marriage was a true one, now we have to try to understand this reality of the marriage as something uh, even deeper than the marriage itself. So, mm, let us then look at the Gospel of Saint Matthew, where Joseph is presented as the husband of Mary, and then as a just man. In the Gospel we read this, Now the generation of Christ was in this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Whereupon Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing publicly to expose her, was minded to put her away privately. Let us now pause a little bit on this gospel to understand Joseph's reaction to the fact that they were espoused, as the Gospel says, and then Joseph at this moment, before they came to live together, found that uh, Mary was with a child. So this text while uh, testifies that Joseph and Mary were engaged, were espoused 
properly, though not living together, uh, speaks about the so-called reaction of St. Joseph to Mary's pregnancy. This uh, doubt between inverted commas, doubt, because it is not a doubt. So let me quote briefly three positions on this uh, doubt of St. Joseph. Because this question has been examined since the early Christianity by the fathers of the Church, by some of the fathers of the Church. For example, there is one uh, thesis, hypothesis, saying that uh, St. Joseph doubted of Mary's integrity and uh, he was not able in this moment to take Mary unto him because he did not trust basically his wife. And uh, on this line we find, for example, St. Ambrose of Milan. We find also St. Augustine. And, uh, uh, but there is also another, another take, another hypothesis, another consideration which privileges the way of humility, the fact that uh, this is all origin who says that uh, St. Joseph did not doubt because he was a just man, but uh, he was, he knew that the child was uh, from God, the child was uh, from the Holy Spirit, and because of that, he was not able to, uh, to, to take Mary into his life. He considered himself unable for the sake of humility. And for this reason, he decided to leave a lady privately, to try to, uh, to disappear in a way. And this is the so-called thesis of humility. But uh, uh, as we now look at these two main theses, we see that uh, neither of them can uh, justify the fact that Joseph is a just man. In the first case, if he doubted of Our Lady's integrity, how could he still uh, be a just man? and then obey directly, properly to God's will, when he found by the, from the angel that, uh, that the, 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 the child was by the Holy Spirit, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Also, the thesis of the humility is, in any case, putting into question the justice of St. Joseph, because if he was... Uh, a just man, how could he, just for the sake of humility, renounce to take our lady into his life while he had already promised to her to be the husband and then to, to, to come to, be, to live together? How could he just uh, change his will while he was a just man? So we need another solution and I think there is a, another take on this, and this is St. Jerome's understanding of St. Joseph. 
and I would say this is the best uh, answer to this problem. St. Jerome says that uh, Joseph was a just man, he could not understand what was going on, and uh, he just covered with silence what he could not explain uh, with his reason. He preferred to step back and to cover with his silence what he was not able to understand with his reason, to explain with his reason. And this is, this is the, the, the best solution, because Joseph is a man of silence, and on the one hand, he did not doubt of Our Lady's integrity and uh, honesty. On the other hand, he was not able to explain that pregnancy because he was aware that he was not the father of that child, what to do. So he made up his mind and decided to wait for God. Living privately, or better to, uh, to divorce, but privately his wife, in this case, means not that he was trying to expose, in any case, Our Lady, but just trying to, to step back and uh, to disappear and uh, to wait for God, to wait for a message coming, or in any case for a sign from God to understand what was going on. As he was thinking of all this, the angel came, as we know, and uh, the angel came and clarified everything. Joseph, don't be afraid, because what is conceived in, a, in your wife is of the Holy Spirit. And this is important to, to know. As Joseph heard this message from the angel, he had no doubt. He had no, uh, nothing to say or to object to that fact. He immediately obeyed. So that obedience is clearly a sign of his interior disposition to, to do God's will. So it is an interior, it is a clear manifestation of his interior silence waiting for God. And uh, that immediate obedience to God's will is clearly showing that Joseph had decided not to take any action, basically, but to wait for God wait for his will to come to be revealed to him. So from that moment, so uh, instructed by the angel, Joseph took Mary unto him. From that moment, what is this moment? The moment when the angel came and clarified everything, Joseph now knows what is going on. From that moment, he took his wife unto him. So this is now the main point to reflect upon. Uh, the, the moment when there is the cohabitation, basically. If Joseph took Mary unto him, 
it means that they started to live together. But of course, this cohabitation was extraordinary. It was the, 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 the marriage itself was meant to be chaste. And it is uh, very possible that Joseph himself had made up his mind before and uh, decided to be chaste himself and to live with Mary in a chaste way. In any case, he had to approve his wife's uh, choice to remain a virgin. As we know from the book of Numbers, that kind of vow promise could be taken only with the husband's uh, uh, approval. And since they came to be to be espoused and uh, but uh, keeping that virginity it is it was necessary that the husband had to give his consent to this choice so this means that in any case this espousal was extraordinary but now they come to live together what does it mean then to come to live together. That cohabitation is something higher than a normal cohabitation, a normal consummation of that union. I would suggest that this consummation, this cohabitation, is pointing rather to something deeper, to a spiritual deeper, union between Joseph and Mary. Uh, we could also say, if we want to, to look at this issue deeper, uh, that in the first phase of their marriage, Joseph was already united to Our Lady, but only initially and lawfully. He was not fully united to her because they were not living together yet and Joseph had not taken into his life and to him his wife. Something that happens now but something that can be read in the light of not being consecrated yet to his wife since they were not living together, but now this cohabitation can possibly be seen as being Joseph totally consecrated to her, to the point of having this uh, union, spiritual union, because in any case that marriage is meant to be spiritual, but now this spiritual union is uh, perfected by this consummation of the marriage, which is more like a spiritual marriage and uh, a spiritual consummation of this marriage. Consummation here has to be understood in a new and uh, spiritual way, foretelling that what Jesus also preparing for that uh, uh, for what Jesus would 
himself chose in his marriage with the church on the cross. When Jesus uh, redeemed us on the cross, he is the bridegroom, uniting to himself his bride, the church. And the consummation of this spousal union between Christ and the church occurs on the cross. Because that is the moment, that is the nuptial chamber, as some of the fathers of the church say. When Jesus united to him definitively his church, because from his pierced side the church was born, came out and was made, was formed. So, uh, in Jesus with the church there is this consummation, this uh, consummated marriage, but this consummation coincides with that word of Jesus on the cross, consummatum est, it is consummated, it is finished. That is, the, the sacrifice <clears throat> is offered. The sacrifice is consummated, is immolated. So in a way we can understand also Joseph and Mary's, Joseph's and Mary's uh, marriage as this kind of consummation. Consummation in this sacrificial offering, <clears throat> sacrificial love, love until death. So, Joseph's total love for Mary is consummated also in his sacrifice. Uh, Joseph, in fact, gave himself completely to Mary until his death, for being one with, uh, in being one with Mary, and through Mary, in order to take part in Jesus' redemption. It is, I think, beautiful also to consider Joseph's cooperation in our redemption, because there is a unique cooperation of Saint Joseph in our redemption, by saying, by saying that uh, Joseph cooperated actively in our redemption, so he is a co-redeemer in Christ of course, though subordinate to Our Lady, because Our Lady is unique co-redemptrix, since she is the Mother of God, so her uh, participation is intrinsic to the mystery of the hypostatic union, of course, and this is unique, but uh, Saint Joseph is the foster father of Christ, and he comes to share in Jesus' mystery through Mary, through his marriage with Mary. So, through Our Lady, he is also introduced to the mystery of uh, redemption and to his participation in this redemption. There is a unique cooperation of Saint Joseph, greater than, of course, of, of any other saint, <clears throat> but uh, always through Mary. And it is beautiful to think that since his cooperation is through Mary, Joseph, uh, during his earthly life, prepared Jesus and for his sacrifice, but also cooperated with his own sacrifice to Jesus' redemption. But uh, 
he offered all his sacrifices to Jesus always through Mary. And before leaving this world, before his death, which is probably uh, which probably happened before Jesus' uh, public ministry, Joseph entrusted his total sacrifice to Our Lady so that she could bring it on Calvary when she was there, <clears throat> present, and the only one present who uh, uh, offered with Jesus the sacrifice of our salvation. So Joseph entrusted all his sacrifices, all his sacrifice to Mary to be taken by Our Lady on Calvary and to be offered up on his behalf as well. So uh, this uh, unique cooperation of Saint Joseph is uh, understandable uh, basically in this uh, in this unique way to be espoused with our lady <clears throat> so what i want to say here is that uh, through this espousal unique espousal which is more a, a sacrificial consummated marriage with our lady joseph also took part in the redemption of mankind in a very singular manner but because of Mary. So it is, it is clear, I think, that this marriage is unique. The marriage with Our Lady has to be seen as something deeper and uh, possibly as a mystic uh, union with Our Lady. <clears throat> now, uh, to prove... Uh, to strengthen, I would say, this argument, that is, that St. Joseph is united with Our Lady in his spiritual marriage, and his spiritual marriage is a consecration to Mary <clears throat> to be able to take part in Jesus' salvation, we have to look at the uh, text of the Gospel of St. Matthew, again, and uh, to see especially that, uh, that sentence where it is said that uh, after the angel announced St. Joseph that uh, the, the baby, the child, is from the Holy Spirit, Joseph, uh, rising up from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took unto him his wife. Now let's be concentrated on these final words. Joseph took unto him his wife. If we examine this verb, to take, and we see it in the original, we find out that... Uh, the verb used by Matthew is the same verb as the one used by St. John in the Gospel, 1927, where 
it is said that Our Lady uh, was given by Jesus to Saint John and Saint John was given as a, a son to Our Lady from that hour the disciple took her to his own now also here the verb to take is rendered with the same verb that we find in the Gospel of Saint Matthew basically it is the same root uh, the verb is lambano or in the lambano in Saint John eleven and para lambano in Matthew which is a basically uh, it is the same verb plus this uh, prefix para lambano but basically the same meaning which is either to take with oneself to join to oneself or to receive something transmitted two main meanings of this verb so it is to take with oneself as well to join to oneself and uh, since Saint John is using the same verb to describe the moment when John was actually taken by Our Lady it is uh, John taking Our Lady into his life but it is likely that uh, Our Lady took John into her life as his son as, and this is also the, the text proving that uh, John was given totally to Our Lady he was consecrated to Our Lady so if John was consecrated to Our Lady before him also Saint Joseph was consecrated to Our Lady when he took his wife unto him and then they began to live together in this new special way in being Saint Joseph totally consecrated to Mary and also there is another analogy between the two moments the two texts of the gospel Matthew and John both say that uh, uh, from that hour John took Mary unto him Joseph also from that hour the hour which he was instructed by the Holy Spirit about Mary and the baby took Mary unto him so from that moment that hour that particular time uh, from that moment of the perfect marriage with our lady he gave himself completely to her so as to come through her into Jesus mystery and to participate also to be able to participate actively in the work of redemption uh, so I think this is the main way to prove that uh, to possibly prove that Joseph was more than married with Our Lady he was totally consecrated to Our Lady in a total consecration which is open to a spiritual consummation sacrificial oblation of that marriage uh, 
to con just to conclude what we uh, take from all this what we can uh, understand from all this we understand that Joseph is the very icon of this Marian consecration and it is wonderful also to think of uh, the apparition uh, of Cork uh, no, not Cork in, in uh, Ireland uh, what's the name of this apparition? skips me now Knock uh, Knock, not Cork <laughs> the apparition of Knock, yes where we see Knock uh, we see that there are two men with a lady the apparition is silent of course and we see that there is Joseph, Saint Joseph, and there is Saint John. Why? Because they are the models of Marian consecration. But Saint John can be the model because he can be consecrated to Our Lady because at the beginning of uh, Our Lady's uh, participation in that mystery there is Saint Joseph who is consecrated to her perfectly so in a, in a sense Joseph, John, Saint John has to imitate the very first model of this consecration which is Saint Joseph uh, we don't know whether Saint John knew personally Saint Joseph it is more uh, likely that he didn't but in any case, uh, for us, it is clear that the two are the models in the Gospel of this Marian consecration, but St. Joseph is the one preparing, so to speak, the way for John, the beloved disciple, and uh, for, for in him, for each one of us, to be consecrated to Our Lady. So we have to pray to St. Joseph, who is this uh, icon of Marian consecration, to make us able to see the importance of Marian consecration. And for us, for those who are consecrated to Our Lady, uh, it is very, very important that we look at the Saint Joseph as this model of consecration. We pray to him to live out properly our own consecration to Our Lady and to understand our consecration as a sacrificial oblation to Mary to leave a consummation of love to her. So, just to come to a close, um, I said at the beginning that we can see in St. Joseph that uh, motto in action, uh, Ad Jesum per Mariam, to Jesus through Mary. Yes, we now understand well that it is so, to Jesus through Mary. With Saint Joseph, with him, with him as the perfect icon of consecration to Our Lady, with Saint Joseph, to Jesus through Mary. Amen.